All right, we appreciate uh, Pastor Noah stepping in. I was away last Wednesday, typing feverishly. I would actually get a couple chapters a day done. You do not know, I typed, I really felt pretty good about myself. Um, I'd really, I'd be typing by 8.30 in the morning. I'd be done about noon, just take one hour, go get lunch, come back about 1 o'clock, and I'd go till probably about 5.30, and then take an hour and go to dinner, and maybe I could get a little bit more in, and then I couldn't take it anymore. And I did that every day I was away, but I, I'm still two chapters short. I got eight chapters done, 30,000 words. Um, yeah. Cindy, I will get permission from Randy to whoop you. <laughs> She's giving me a bad time. You leave the room, Randy, and this is what happens. So, <clears throat> All right. Uh, it's been a crazy week, but it's, it's been a good week, and, and it's going to be a great night. All right, every time you come in, I know you're looking at it and say, you changed the chart on me. I did, because there are so many things that are going on that if, you, if, you, if we could do the charts on, what do they call that, uh, transparency stuff, whatever that's called? Transparency, okay, that's the technical word for it, okay. If, if we could do these charts on that, and if we could just lay it over each other and over and over, it would, it would fall into place easily. But when you come in here every week, I try to put material that couldn't be fit into just one whiteboard, or we'd have a whiteboard the size of the front of this, this auditorium, and that would be just over the top. So you can see some of the things we put up here uh, are things that we enumerated a little bit more in detail. Obviously, we talked about last time the seven seals of judgment. <clears throat> we talked about the seven trumpets. We haven't even got into the second three-and-a-half-year period. We're not even there yet, and we won't get there tonight. Um, but we, we are through the first three and a half years of tribulation, and as I mentioned in a previous lesson, there's probably more written about the tribulation period, that seven-year time period, than any other topic in all the Bible. It's amazing how much material is written on the tribulation. <clears throat> and so, again, if, if you'll follow, the black line really is the timeline. <clears throat> you'll see the... <coughs> excuse me. Is this, is this something healthy? All right, T, thank you very much, honey. All right, and the, and the blues will have to deal with what's happening with believers. I, I tried to color code everything. The red, I'm trying to, to demonstrate what's going to be happening in this time period. And tonight, I promised you that I'm going to be talking about <clears throat> this event right here. Um, the first time I ever ran across somebody teaching this was a man by the name of Hilton Sutton. And he's been around a long, long time, an Assembly of God pastor. A, a, a neat white-haired old man, you'd look at him, he kind of resembles Santa, to be honest with you. I mean, he, that's how he kind of looks. And uh, he's the one that taught this. I'd never heard it before. And then started listening, started thinking, started considering, and did a little research myself. Uh, on the Internet, I, I began to be amazed at how much I found under the Google search, multiple rapture. And um, there just was, there is a body of instruction out there that is fascinating and for me, and those of you that have been with me now, in fact, some of you have been with me nearly 12 years now, and others of you, lengthy periods of times as well, and you know when it comes to teaching this area, man, I've been all over the whiteboard. I mean, it's, it's because it's just, there are so many things that, that when you try to piece it together, it just didn't fit real well. So, so as I began to look this over again, it seemed to answer some of the questions that I had concerning this particular area. And again... 
I've designed my life this way. Even if, even if the rapture of the church, let's say, because there are some who believe that there's going to be a, the, the rapture of, of all God's people will be a mid-trib. Some believe pre-wrath, some believe post-trib. I, you know, if they're right, I'm designing my life to live all out for God no matter what befalls me. So I'm not, I'm not living in such a way that, that I'm not going to be able to endure. So I just suggest to you that, that don't, don't miss this one. See, I, 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 hope, I hope I'm right for some people. I, re, I, really, I hope if, if, they, if they're rolling the dice and they want to miss it and say, well, Pastor Baird said, and, and then if it doesn't turn out that way, all I can say is, oops. But that won't do you any good. All right? But at the same time, like I said, it answers some things that I think are very, very important. And we'll get to our notes in just a minute. I, I just want to point out a couple of quick things just to get your mind sort of focused and moving again. There's going to come a moment at any time, an eminent happening, which will, which will, Jesus will take his church out of the earth. It is what we call the rapture, harpazo in the Greek. We meet him in the air. The, the dead are resurrected. It's an incredible meeting in the air that can happen at any moment in any time. So we're living right now in this church age. And really, this is probably a good way to put it right here, just this little bit of church age, because there's probably just a little bit of church age left. Thank you so much, Amy. So, so the rapture happens, and what happens in the heavenly realm, when all of this is happening on the earth, we've talked about that. That's when the believers will, will receive judgment at the Bema seat, or the judgment seat of Christ. That's where they will receive crowns and rewards. And then it finally consummates in the marriage supper of the Lamb. And then we return with Christ at the literal second coming, when he touches the earth. And he sets up his 1,000-year millennial reign where we will get to rule and reign with him. Now, there are certain things that are going to be happening which may be beneficial to know and is certainly of interest as we begin to see these things fall rapidly into place. Um, we know that there will be an a invasion of Israel from the north. In Ezekiel 38, it talks about Gog and Magog. And if you, if you study it out and follow it through, the only thing it can be is a country to the north and most people believe, as well as I do, that it's Russia. That Russia, for some purposes, probably having to deal with oil, uh, will come and invade that area. And Israel will receive an incredible, in fact, the scripture says, one-day victory over this invading force. Now, I know you're going to read people, and they're going to put this thing all over in here. And maybe this is as good a time as any to remind you that when you're looking at the book of the Revelation, the hardest thing for me is to understand how all this fits chronologically. Do some of these chapters lay over each other in their description of what's taking place? And, and so you'll read people, and, and they're being scriptural. It's not that they're wrong, I'm right, or however that is. It's just that there's, there's a struggle to go through the revelation in understanding if things are laid over one another, are they just simply chronologically playing out? For instance, the marriage supper of the Lamb is in Revelation 19, which would appear to be the end of this time period. Now, I, I don't know if we're going to start suffering right here in the middle. I don't know. It, maybe it would have fit better in Revelation 9. I don't know. I, that's not where the Holy Ghost put it. I'm just simply saying that there are, there are chapters which may play out earlier than their chapter sequence is given to us in that actual book. But anyway, there's a great victory that will happen that Israel has. And somehow in that time period, I put a little time space there, 
the Antichrist is going to come forth, and he's going to cut a peace deal with Israel. And whenever that peace deal is cut, that will begin that seven-year time period. During this seven-year time period last week, we talked about how all of a sudden seals will begin to be released of judgment. We talked about how there'll be trumpets that'll start to uh, uh, declare judgment. And how many of you know that's not going to be a good period of time? I mean, we talked about the things that'll take place, and you do not want to be. Listen, this first three and a half years is better than the second three and a half years, but it is no picnic. And so there's going to be incredible tribulation that takes place. During this time period, Paul writes in the book of Romans, uh, Romans 11, that he begins to prophesy that many Jews, in fact, he even uses the phrase, and, and, and you can deal with it how you want. He, he says, all Israel will be saved. Now, there are many who think that all the Jews that are around right then, all Israel will be saved. Whether all, they all are or not, I know many will be. So will multitudes of Gentiles that will get saved. You say, well, how will they get saved during this time period? Because the Lord will select and pull out 144,000 what I call Jewish evangelists that are actually, the scripture says in Revelation uh, 7, that they will be used for the purpose of God in order to declare the gospel uh, in the earth, particularly to the Jewish people, but many Gentiles are going to get saved as well. The Bible says that they will be sealed to some extent, from the judgments that will be happening. In other words, they will have sort of a divine protection that will enable them to transverse and travel the world in order to begin to declare the gospel. Um, they are saved, the scripture says, interestingly, these 144,000 Jewish evangelists, the Bible says, are saved by an angel. You'll read Revelation chapter 7, it says that an angel shows up and begins to declare the word of the Lord, and these are sealed, and they get saved from that angel. And, and as I was reading that, I thought maybe it will, it will be a similar thing as what Paul experienced, maybe on the road to Damascus. They, they received an epiphany or a revelation, or maybe a literal angel comes as well. But nonetheless, they're going to be, they're going to be uh, saved, and they're going to go out preaching. Scripture tells us that they'll be unmarried. There won't be time to be married, um, because they'll, they'll, they'll be just rigorous, probably young men, undoubtedly, because of the rigors that will be involved in doing the work that they are called to do and their ministry will last approximately four years and you can see that i put they'll be they'll be taken out as well at a later time period and so the hundred and forty four thousand will go preaching the jews will listen to them as well as multitudes of gentiles these will also be uh, i believe backslidden foolish virgins i'm holding my water and talking right doesn't look good Oh, okay. Anyway, uh, so so they will they will obviously know what had happened. They'll they'll get their lives right, and, and so there'll be this great revival that will take place. Now, at this middle point, and I'm going to get back to this rapture here of the great multitude. But in this time period right here, when things begin to transition. We know that the seventh trumpet, when it was blown, I told you last time we were together, it releases these seven, well, some of your versions will say vials, other versions will say bowls, uh, they're containers, seven bold judgments. And, and there's a declaration that takes place when these bold judgments are released, and it says that the wrath of God is come. Now, like I said, I read this and I thought, my, my goodness, mercy, if this isn't, 
wrath, can you only imagine what it looks like when God really gets irritated? And so it's called the wrath of God has come. As this transitions, though, this time period, there are five things I, I wrote here. A lot of things will be happening in this, I don't know, I, I'm only guessing. It could be a six-month time period in here. It's going to be a, a short time period, but, but a number of things are going to be happening. The first thing is, is the agreement that was made, the peace treaty with Israel that was made here is going to be broken by the Antichrist. The Antichrist will move directly against Israel. The peace that he was declaring here will be turned around and there'll be a great outpouring of, of wrath and uh, anger towards Israel. The Antichrist, the Bible says during this time period, destroys the harlot. Now, we'll get to the harlot again. Uh, the, the harlot isn't just, you know, a, a woman of ill repute in, in, in the book of the Revelation, but a harlot really represents what religion is left. The harlot rep represents false religion, not true religion, but he destroys all religion. He wants nothing to do. They, they were hailing him as almost the Messiah at one point, but now he's destroying all religion. And, and as he destroys it, he declares himself to be God. He literally holds a press conference around the temple and declares himself to be God. It is also during this time period, I believe, that the mark of the beast, that 666 number, which everybody wants to know so much about, is introduced. It's during this particular time period. And it's also during this time period that the two witnesses are introduced because when the Antichrist declares himself in front of worldwide global cameras that he is God, it will be at that moment that the two witnesses stand to challenge him. And that's when we begin to see this supernatural work of God begin to happen through these two particular witnesses. Now, <clears throat> we'll come back to these concepts. We're, we're putting them out there for you just so you can begin to to put the time period together along with your other notes that we've given. But as we're moving along, I want to talk about this great multitude that I believe could be pulled out of here, pulled out of the earth. If you have your Bibles, go to Matthew 24. I'm going to read out of Matthew 24. I'm going to hold on 25 for just a minute. And then I want to get to Revelation 7. Matthew 24. I believe, again, in one of our previous lessons, I told you that Matthew 24 oftentimes is misunderstood even though the disciples are asking what will be the signs of your coming many people read matthew 24 believing that the disciples are really beginning to quiz him on the rapture what's going to be the signs of your coming and jesus begins to talk to them about these things and many people read matthew 24 with an eye believing that he's talking about this time period preceding the rapture i want to caution you not to do that because of the two distinct words of harpazo and parousia, and because we sort of have these misunderstandings about how, how the coming of the Lord is being played out in a multi-act fashion, I think there's confusion that develops in Matthew 24. Matthew 24 really is, is better understood as a chapter that deals with the, really the tribulation time period. And if you can keep that in mind, it, it helps, at least it helps me, begin to unravel certain things as I begin to read it. Now, again, uh, I've heard people teach the rapture out of Matthew 24. I think that there are a lot of things that you can use. I don't, I don't think it's an egregious violation of God's word. When we're talking about last days, it's just hard to get our hands around some things. So, you know, we've we got to allow a little grace in here as people begin to teach this. But let me just share with you a couple passages here 
as we, as we set up the rapture of the great multitude. Matthew 24, 22, it says, And unless those days, what days? Well, unless those days of the tribulation were shortened, no flesh would be saved. But for the elect's sake, those days will be shortened. Now, I've listened to many, many people say that the elect means Jews only. It can't be. Because we know that there will be multitudes of Gentiles that will be saved. So we know somehow or another, even in the midst of tribulation, it says that, that it's going to be a difficult time and nobody would survive it except if you're a part of the elect. Those days will be shortened. Drop to verse 27. It says, For as lightning comes from the east and flashes to the west, so also will be the coming of the Son of Man. Now again, as you read that, the question is where... Where do you place that? Which one of these moments are we going to place that at? And uh, we'll, we'll, we'll get there in just a moment. Jump over to the Revelation, verse 7. I want to read to you now a passage that comes after the 144,000 are sealed. The Lord has released seals of judgment. He's in the midst of releasing trumpets as well. And here in Revelation 7, verse 9, let me read some verses here to you. Revelation 7, verse 9, John's looking, he's getting this view of what he sees. He says, after these things, so all these seals have been released, trumpets are starting to blow. After these things I looked, and behold, a great multitude which no one could number. Of all nations, tribes, peoples, and tongues. I want to ask you, does that mean Jews only? No, no, at least not here. However we're going to interpret this, it doesn't mean that. They're standing before the throne, before the Lamb, clothed with white robes with palm branches in their hands. So where are they at? Come on, there's no trick questions. Where are they at? They're here. They've got to be up here somewhere, right? Because they're standing before the Lord with palm branches in their hands, crying out with a loud voice saying, Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. All the angels stood around the throne and the elders and the four living creatures fell on their faces before the throne and worshiped God saying, Amen, blessing and glory and wisdom, thanksgiving and honor and power and might be to our God forever and ever. Amen. Then one of the elders answered saying to me, Who are these arrayed in white robes and where did they come from? And I said to him, Sir, you know. So he said to me, These are the ones who come out of the great tribulation and washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. Therefore they are before the throne of God and serve Him day and night in His temple. And He who sits on the throne will dwell among them. They shall not hunger anymore nor thirst anymore. The sun shall not strike them nor any heat for the Lamb who is in the midst of the throne will shepherd them and lead them to living fountains of water and God will wipe away every tear from their eye. Let's jump into the note. As we've listed in the previous lesson, there's ample evidence for the existence of raptures all through the Bible record. We know that Enoch walked with God, and he was not. The scripture says he was raptured. We know that Elijah, at the end of his life, did not die, but he was taken up in uh, 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 the chariots. The chariots came after him and took him up to be with the Lord. So we know that there are several uh, biblical records with regards to rapture. So to say that there can only be one rapture is to ignore really what has already taken place. The question is, can there be another rapture of tribulation Christians after that pre-tribulation catching away of the saints? 
Now, I want to throw some things out here because I want you to wrestle like I have through the years. You figure, why should I be the only one flopping around wrestling with things? Several things, I believe. Number one, I, don't, I, I believe the Lord is not trying to keep people out of heaven or trying to find ways of pulling a rug out from under them. I really believe that his mercy endureth forever and he's, and he's doing everything he can with encourageable man to try to reach them and that they might make a decision to receive him. I just believe that. Secondly, to be able to judge the world in successive stages allows him the liberty of wisely gathering people at an appropriate time. Now, I'm going to mention this in just a bit, but, but as, as Christians are pulled out of the earth, the restraining influence slowly diminishes, right? And, and man, listen, the only reason the United States of America doesn't just flush right down the old toilet is because of us. Abraham bargained with God with regards to Sodom, and he said, would you, would you spare it if there were just, you know, he bargained him from 50 down to what, 10? If there were 10 righteous people, would you spare the city? God said, if I can find 10, if you can find 10 righteous people, I'll spare the city. And, and so there's a restraining influence of God's people. And as they're taken out, that restraint is taken away. Number three, uh, there is an inherent justice issue in handling backslidden believers and passionate disciples in the same way. What do I mean by this? This probably hasn't bothered you. In fact, mercy-motivated people, this doesn't bother. Prophetically-motivated people, this bothers if I'm, if I'm running all out for God, and the dude across the street says he loves the Lord, but he don't get up and go to church, he don't do nothing for the Lord, he just, he does, you know, he's just a bum. And when the day of the rapture comes, he gets to go like me? How's that? I don't know. I mean, maybe if you're mercy motivated, you'll go, yay! But as prophetically motivated, people are going, what's the deal? Are you with me? It's like, it's like, that ain't fair. Now, I understand people go, well, fair, you know, that's God's fair. I, I get it. I get it. But, I, but, there, but, but, but you've got to at least admit there's an inherent justice issue here. Now, I don't, have, I don't have any problem with deathbed confessions. In fact, last night on Ask a Pastor, there was a lady that asked about deathbed confessions and about if a person lived their life just sinfully and then at the last moment, at the 11th hour, they're, just, they're keeping him in ICU on oxygen. So he can go, I accept him. Does he get to go? Well, the thief on the cross says that he gets to go. Yeah, sure. And, uh, and of course, God knows the heart because if you're just rolling the dice and hoping you're going to fool him, because there still has to be a heart of repentance. The thief on the cross still said out of his mouth, this man's done nothing wrong. There was, there was still a demonstration of sorrow and repentance. And that's for God to figure out. It's not for me to figure out. My, my job's really relatively easy. I just have to declare the word, and, and God has to do the rest. But, but there's still this inherent justice thing that has to be reconciled that I, I believe we can here in just a minute. And, and also, I believe that he desires a bride without spot or wrinkle. That's what the scripture says in Ephesians 5.27. Amen? I mean, Jesus doesn't want a dirty bride any more than any fellow wants a dirty bride. Now, there are things that I believe need reconciled. For instance, how does the Lord distinguish between passionate, all-out believers 
and backslidden ones at the moment of that rapture here. If he's taken us all, is he going to distinguish this somehow? Will he allow backslidden or compromised believers to experience his wrath? So let's say, let's say he doesn't take him and he just lets the compromised believer just go on through the tribulation and he goes on through the wrath uh, even though they have you know, covenantal standing with God and, the, and he lets them do that. I mean, that doesn't, seem, that doesn't seem quite right either. And if you can be saved during the tribulation, and let's say, just for the sake of argument, <clears throat> you're saved for the first time in the tribulation, then must you still experience the wrath of God? When the Bible clearly tells us that we as believers are not appointed to wrath. So how do you reconcile all of these things? Well, I'm going to take another run at it tonight, right now. The bottom line is, of course, what the, Bible, what the Bible says. Good people see different things when it comes to end times. However, there are some reasons that we can consider, that we can consider as we look at the Scripture. Number one, the first rapture, which is this pre, pre-tribulation rapture of the church right here, this first rapture is to remove the restraining effect that the Holy Spirit exercises through the church. When the initial removal of the saints takes place, it automatically removes all salt and light from the earth. Are you with me? So all salt and life is gone. Because your neighbor who sleeps in and he doesn't, you know, he, he, he doesn't tend to the assembly of the saints together. He doesn't, doesn't live for the Lord. He lives a compromised life. Can we agree that is not salt and that is not light? Right? Right. Okay. Well, we know that all salt and light is gone. So what happens is when there's no salt and there's no light, the restraining effect of salt and light is taken away, and now all of a sudden the world can begin to move in an even more despicable, desperate direction. This allows the sinful fruit of the heart, now I'm talking about those who are left, to be made manifest and to ripen through the beginning of that tribulation week. And it allows for repentance and renewed passion to be stirred again. Think about all the things that will be happening right here. There'll be a group of people that will say, yes, they're gone. They they aren't going to bug me anymore. They aren't going to invite me anymore to church. I'm not going to have to hear it anymore about how I'm living my life and how this and that. I'm not going to, and there's going to be a group that's going to, that's, they'll applaud. They'll be more than happy. The church is gone. But there's going to be a group also that goes, oops. Oops. And, and so what happens is the group that goes, woo, let's party, they will. And the group that goes, oops, will suddenly attend the church service that they should have attended the week prior. Are you following me? So all these things are happening. Now the rapture of the great multitude pulls out the last and remaining influence on the earth. As these are pulled out, that's the last remaining influence on the earth in preparation for the bold judgments which take place during the second half of the tribulation or what we call the great tribulation. The bowls, as I mentioned already, are technically called the wrath of God. In Revelation 11, the only place we see it specifically being declared that the wrath of God is being poured out, Revelation 11, verse 18, 
The seventh trumpet is being blown there. Do you see? I, mean, I have a little, you know, chapters. My chapters have little subheadings. It's not scripture, but it kind of helps me see here. It says seventh trumpet. So it's the last trumpet of the first half of, of the tribulation. So the trumpet's being blown, and a part of what's being said there in verse 17 is a declaration, We give you thanks, O Lord God Almighty, the one who is and was and is to come, because you have taken your great power and reign. The nations were angry, and your wrath has what? Your wrath has come. Now, nothing's been declared up to that point, but now once that seventh trumpet blows, it says the wrath of God has come. Now, it's interesting because in 1 Thessalonians, and I know I'm going to make you look all over in your Bible, or you can listen to me tonight, and I'll just read it to you as we get there. In 1 Thessalonians 1.10, it says this. It says, And to wait for his Son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, even Jesus, who delivers us from the what? From the wrath to come. So a believer, it says here, is delivered from the wrath to come. Over in the same book, chapter 5, verse 9, it says, For God did not appoint us to wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. So here, this is, this is how I, I have to reconcile it, because I believe the Bible teaches it, that in this time period... I'm not saying that people cannot continue to make decisions for Jesus Christ. In fact, I'm quite sure there will be decisions still made during this time period. I have no problem with that concept. But up to this point, I believe that God, because of his word, has obligated himself to, to make sure believers are not there when the wrath comes. See, that's why years ago, those of you that heard me teach mid-trib uh, rapture or or pre-wrath rapture, rapture. <laughs> if I don't get tongue-tied here, it was because of where, where the wrath of God was, was being placed in the timeline. And, and, and so I honestly believe that, that, you know, God's not looking, it's not like God gets this really sadistic delight in whooping the hound out of us. He sure he chastises us, and sure he disciplines us, and he does this perfectly. But, but it's not, but his wrath was not designated for his, you know, there's a difference between disciplining your kids and just kind of bah on them. You know, there's a difference between abuse and discipline, right? Now, I don't know, I, I don't want to be misquoted here. I'm not saying this is abuse, but this is certainly judgment. And it's wrath, and it's the anger of God. And, and, and so, but what do you do with these people who have, during this time period, begun to make decisions? Well, it is, it is potentially possible that there could be a catching away. Now, go to Matthew 25, and let me, let me go over this, because now I believe I understand why this, this wise and foolish virgin passage is in the Scripture. The wise and foolish virgins, Matthew 25 is where the, the, the passage is, but it answers the question of Matthew 24, 40 through 41. In Matthew 24, 40 through 41, this is what it says. It says, then two men will be in the field, one will be taken and the other left. Two women will be grinding at the mill, one will be taken and the other left. Watch therefore, you, for you do not know what hour your Lord is coming. Now, I'm going to stop there because through the years, whenever I've heard Matthew 24 preached and those passages were being declared, I'd even done it myself, most of the time I would put that at this point. Anybody else would have thought that? 
I mean, I'm watching everybody just kind of not. It seems, it seems reasonable. But if you'll go back to what I said to you, that the, the totality of Matthew 24 has to be understood in this particular time period. Because they were asking about the parousia of the Lord. They are asking about the coming of the Lord. Well, if they're asking about the coming of the Lord, then, then, then how does that fit in there? How can people, more people get snatched out, or how does that work? Well, to me, it begins to fit better because now we aren't putting, well, well, this part has to deal with the end of the tribulation here up in the front of 24, and then this part has to deal with mid, and then this part's the rapture. Can you imagine? I, I, I just, I, 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 for, for my spirit, I, just, I, I sense a better fit. Now, let me go through this and, and talk about the wise and foolish virgins because Matthew 25, I believe, answers the question as to who gets left and who stays behind. It says that, that um, Matthew 25, the kingdom of heaven shall be likened to ten virgins who took their lamps, went out to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were wise, five foolish. Those who were foolish took their lamps and took no oil with them. But the wise took oil in their vessels with their lamps. But while the bridegroom was delayed, they all slumbered and slept. And at midnight a cry was heard, behold, the bridegroom is cr- coming, go out to meet him. Then all these virgins arose, trimmed their lamps, Some of the foolish said to the wise, give us some of your oil for our lamps are going out. You know, Matthew 25, 8 is a great verse that you can share with your kids that tell them they cannot ride on their parents or their grandparents' faith. Because that's exactly what they're doing. They're saying, give us some of what you got. Oh, dude, you're on your own. But the wise answered saying, no, lest there should not be enough for us and you, but rather... But go rather to those who sell, buy for yourselves. And while they went to buy, the bridegroom came, and those who were ready went in with him to the wedding, and the door was shut. Afterward, the other virgins came also, saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. But he answered and said, Assuredly, I say to you, I do not know you. Watch, therefore, for you know neither the day or the hour in which the Son of Man is coming. Now, let me just share a couple of things. And again, you may not buy it, but I'm just trying to be merciful. The number 10, it's interesting, 10 virgins, 10 Indicates several things. I've heard some teach that it indicates order or government. Could be good government, could be bad government. I also heard just recently it indicates a test. The ten indicates a test. Like, like the Ten Commandments is a type of test or, 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 or a trial. So, so ten's an interesting number. It says that the ten virgins have to represent the order of the church or the bride because they're all responding, is it not true, to the bridegroom. So they're all declared to be virgins. They're all responding to some of what the bridegroom has asked. But it says that five take extra oil and five take no oil. Now oil symbolizes perhaps anointing, the presence of God, maybe the fuel of passion in your life. I mean, it would be interesting to kind of ponder or meditate on what the oil might symbolize but the point of the story is these are considered wise who seem to have stored up and prepared with extra and those others are considered foolish who who did not prepare in any way shape or form but interestingly is it not they all have some right some oil now interestingly they all sleep However, as they sleep, some are in a more precarious position than the others. In fact, the five foolish ones, in fact, literally the Greek here, if you'll read the verb, it says their lamps 
were going out. Did you hear that? I-N-G. Going out. They hadn't gone out. They were going out. And so what happens is when the bridegroom calls, they're wanting to hitchhike on the wise, but they are told they must go and buy more oil. The foolish miss the bridegroom because they have not paid the price of keeping their relationship fervent with God. Are, are you hearing what's being said here? They're looking at him and they're saying, we can't, we can't give you this. We paid the price for what we have. Isn't that true? That people come through the years and they say, Pastor, I want you to lay hands on me because I want some of your anointing. And I'm happy to pray for people and lay hands on them. But some of what you get, you paid the price for. You just, you just can't grab someone's head and go, hoo-ha, shundai, take it. And, and they get the same thing. You got, you got to pay a price for some of this. And they didn't pay the price with keeping their relationship fervent with the Lord. And the parable leaves us with the impression that there will be those in the church who will be taken and those in the church who will be left. Now, this isn't the only parable that seems to teach this. He talks about wheat and it talks about tares, does it not? In fact, the disciples in all of that wondered if they should go ahead and go ahead and rip the tares out. That's some prophetically motivated people again. See, see the mercy motivated people are going, oh, no, no, they're okay, they're okay. And the prophetically motivated people are going, I got their number. Wheat, tear, sheep, goat. I got, I got it, Lord. I got it. But the question is, are they toast? Well, they're foolish, no doubt. But are they toast? Is there no recourse? Well, I read to you in Revelation 7 that before the throne of God, John observes a great multitude of people, it says, composed of every nation, every tribe, every people, and every tongue. I believe that they represent the converts of those 144,000 Jewish evangelists and those who are reclaimed after missing the rapture of the church. They potentially are filled with Jewish believers as well as Gentile believers. It says there in Revelation 7 that they, it is said of them that they have come out an interesting phrase they have come out of great tribulation and are distinguished from the church that is raptured earlier you remember that many many people use revelation chapter 4 that imagery when john hears the voice and the trumpet sounds and the voice says john come up here so that you might see those things which may shortly take place many people use that in revelation 4 as imagery of this rapture of the church well my question is, could that in Revelation chapter 7, where it says those that have come out of great tribulation, could those be the ones who have made decisions, who have got their hearts right, who got back on track, who got passionate, who were able to get before the Lord, who paid the prices? You know, I, you know, I think you said it Sunday, you know, salvation's free, but everything after that. I mean, that's why it says that we're to work out our salvation with fear and trembling. I understand. There are people, there are people that have bought into grace heresies that will walk out and go, well, that's just not grace. That's just not grace. No, it's just Bible. That, that, that there are prices that are paid to be a believer. And in America, we don't get that because all over the world, there are people paying prices right now 
the church in China is still being persecuted. You will still go to jail in China. In fact, you can't be a pastor in the Chinese house church unless you spent some years in prison. That's your seminary to be a pastor in China, is that you have to spend time in prison. I can tell you right now in the Sudan and in Rwanda, your brothers and sisters in Christ are giving their blood standing to radical Islam. All over the world, people have given their lives for the sake of the gospel. Except here in America, where we have enjoyed the blessings of liberty. And, and, and make no mistake about it, I, I'm glad for my nation, I'm glad for my country, and I'll do everything I can to make sure I can continue to enjoy the blessings of God. But, but make no mistake about it, there are prices that are paid with your relationship for Jesus Christ. I, we, can't make, we can't even do simple price paying. Like when a group of peers solicits us to do something wrong, we can't even say no. Just say no. We think, and we think we're going to stand with those who gave their very blood when we can't say no. Well, no, I don't think I can do that. I'm a believer. And they go, and we go, oh, I'm so persecuted. Oh, God, I'm persecuted. Come on. Come on, these are the prices we pay to be an alien. We are aliens. Our alien problem isn't coming from Mexico. The aliens are in this room right now. It's interesting. The Bible says in in Revelation 7, it's interesting, isn't it? The dead are not resurrected here, though. There's no resurrection of the dead. Because God already told us there's a number in his mind. He's already said that the martyrs are crying out from under the altar and they're saying, how long, O Lord? And he says, for a little while yet until your number's completed. So God has a number of martyrs yet that have to give their life because those martyrs are bearing witness to the Jews and the remnant that will be hidden. They are bearing witness of the truth of the gospel. It's hard to argue with a guy that's willing to give his life for something. But there's no resurrection of the dead. Once the multitude arrives in heaven, it's interesting. It says that God, well, well, we know God will hide away Israel in order for them not to be completely destroyed by the Antichrist. And there's a great question as to when this rapture occurs. I tend to place it before the bowls of wrath are released on the earth because believers are not appointed to wrath. There is no need for this group of tribulation saints to stand at the Bema seat. You say, well, why is that? It's because there ain't no crowns coming. And is it not interesting how John sees white robes? He sees the palm leaves. He sees all sorts of things. But he sees no crowns. He sees no crowns on their head. There'll be no rewards for their faith as they were compromised most of their earthly life. They have white robes, palm branches, no crowns. They would still participate in the marriage supper of the Lamb. I do have some question as to whether these people would rule at all during the millennial reign. That's just a question I have in my mind. But by clearing away the remaining tribulation saints through this type of pre-wrath rapture, it clears the way for the most awful of bold judgments. And if Israel is ever to be saved completely, as Paul prophesies, then it will happen then. There will still yet be Jews who have not accepted the Messiah, but God will continue to work even through this time in order to reach out to even them. But, uh, but anyway, it, it, to me, it answers, it answers some questions. And again, if I'm wrong, then oops, but, but maybe, maybe for those hard headed, hard hearted 
folks, God's incredible mercy that goes from generation to generation, everlasting in its nature, will still be reaching out to them even in that particular time period. I'm well aware that people disagree with the multiple rapture theory, just like those who hold to a pre-tribulation view of the rapture of the church. But my hope is that everyone will live now in such a way that we aren't going to have to find out whether that one's available or not. I'm not intending to find out if I'm right or wrong. I'm intending to, to make sure I'm, I'm with the first boatload. Amen? I'm going to stop there. It's exactly 7.30, but I bet I solicited a couple questions, maybe. I'll try to answer them. If I don't know, I'm just going to say I don't know. Okay? How about it, Wally? Yeah, the temple's going to be rebuilt in here. In fact, it's going to be, there's, like I said, some have said, I read a guy the other day that said there's going to be a five and a half month time period between, between the rapture and the, the, the treaty that's cut. But the temple's going, going to be built, it could even start building before the rapture. Uh, because, because, because for him to stand and declare himself God in three and a half years, it, it, it's going to take some time to get that thing built. Now, I don't know if they're going to put it up like a prefab home. You know, I've heard people say they've got things hidden away and they're ready to do it in a, in a split instant. I don't know. But, but my, my, uh, my guess is that it's going, it's going to have to be built either immediately after this rapture or it, it could even begin to be started here. But I tell you what, if you see the temple being rebuilt, I'm telling you, we are, we are so close. Well, he will stand in the temple to declare himself to be God, and it's then that the two witnesses will be revealed supernaturally because they'll challenge him on it. And the interesting thing is we get to studying this, and, and we can begin to lay some more, some more layers to this. A lot of times it looks as if, and some people have taught it, it's like Satan gets his way. Can I tell you that God's doing an incredible amount of cool stuff in here as well? Do you understand that the greatest revival this world will ever see will probably take place in this three-and-a-half-year time period. Now, I don't want to be here for it, but could you imagine preaching? Could you imagine, could you imagine your altar call the day after the rapture? Now, I, I don't want to, I, I mean, I could, it would be a sight to see, though. Now, again, I believe that there's going to be a, a great renewal. There's revival. Just as the darkness is getting darker and darker, birth pangs are increasing, I believe that where sin abounds, grace stuff more abound. And, and we're, going to have, we're going to have revival outpourings even through the church age as God's trying to reach people and get his bride ready. Yes, sir. Yeah, well, if, if it's Christians, it's everybody. The, the five foolish ones are those who are in the church who are dispassionate, maybe ritualistic. There's no living relationship. Their light is going out. I mean, it's, it, they're, just, they're just passionate people. I mean, we've all, we've all met them. It's kind of labeled. They're labeled Christian, and they may have made a decision. And I'm, but you see, this, it answers for me the question, how does God, I mean, how, I, because this is the thing that used to just irritate the hound out of me. I used to hear people, because they believed in such a radical, once saved, always saved, that they preached the rapture, that on the day of the rapture, that God will put, pull people out of houses of ill repute and out of brothels. 
And I was sitting there going, well, why the hey? Can you imagine that? But I've heard that with my own ears. And the congregation go, yeah, because most of them have been in brothels. I'm just saying, wait, 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 time out. Time out here. Time out. I'm, I'm, not, I'm, just glad, I'm not the one that's going to sift it out. But God, who does all things perfectly, he'll sift it out. He'll sift it out. And the fact of the matter is, he's not cutting them off. He's going to purge it out. See, that's a part of tribulation. The actual tribulus in the Latin actually means to sift. It means to, so, so there's a sifting. You know what a sifting is? It's like, uh, you know, that's with flour. You get the cruddy stuff out and you keep the good stuff. But, but, but if you're a farmer, we used to take, you know, you take the wheat to a sifter and it'd knock off the husk and you'd get the, you'd get the good stuff. Well, the, the tribulus will happen and it's going to knock off the husk and he'll get the good stuff. See, that, and a part of that, that is what's going on. And, and I've heard people go, he won't let believers go through this because that's the wrath of God. No, it's not. This is the wrath of God according to the scriptures. Follow me? Yeah. Yes, I'm not going to marry Yeah, yeah, that's right. So read Rescued again. Yeah, Mary. Yes. No, 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 no. Well, it, it depends. The, fi- the five foolish have a choice to be made. You see, this, this answers the question, if I wasn't clear, it answers the question of how this works. The five, the, the five wise pulled. Now you've got five foolish who will have to work this time period. And once they're through, they have a question. Some may, some may turn. Their lamps may go out. But others can buy, go, they say, go and buy oil. And so they can begin to develop their passion one more time. And again, if I'm, if I'm right, then they, can, then they can be spared the wrath of God because... The scripture tells us that for believers, you are not appointed to wrath. Right, right, right. Right. Right, because Enoch, think, think, about the, think about the pictures of the raptures that have taken place in the Bible. It said Enoch walked with God and he was not. It didn't say Enoch was in a brothel and he was pulled out. It didn't say, it didn't say Elijah, Elijah gave up on his call and gave up and threw in the towel, but the chariots came and got him. That's not what the scripture says. Every picture of rapture we get are people who are pursuing passionately the things of God. That's every picture of rapture we get in the scripture. By way of illustration. Exactly. Because, because Paul says, the Spirit speaketh expressly that in latter days some shall depart from the faith. 
giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils, having their consciences seared with a red-hot iron. So, we, so understand that, that, that church, church, this is the hard part. There is church, which is kind of like what organizationally we do, but then there's the church that is the real church. Yeah, and, and so you've got to understand that the organizational aspect of church will keep right on going. Folks, there's, there's churches right now, we read it in the papers, there's mainline denominations that can't seem to get the gay question right. I mean, this isn't rocket science. Now think about that for just a second. When God says that, th- that, that this will not be, this will not be in the kingdom. He, he says it, it's not going to happen. Now, redemption will cleanse us. The blood cleanses us. So, so we, can, we can have been one, but we can't be one. So the blood has to cleanse us. And as it cleanses us, then, of course, we have the ability to pursue our relationship with God and, and begin, to, you know, to begin to demonstrate now that fervency and to keep our fervency, keep the oil in. That's why, that's why you, get, you get in the house of God. You, 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 you turn on television and watch christian television you turn on the tapes and the cds you get the worship things in lord fill me up i need extra oil how do we make it in our world without a little extra oil i'm not i can't i'm just telling you that's why we're not seeker we're not a seeker philosophy church here because truth of the matter is you need all of god you can get to make it we we can't try we can't try to hoodoo people and hope they make it it's enough for those of us that are living all out to keep on target and, and so that's why we're going we're gonna to preach it that way. But, but hopefully you can sense the mercy of God and the graciousness of God that he's not trying to go, there you go. He'll, he just keeps trying and trying. That is why when it's all said and done, God forbid that unbelievers will stand at the great white throne of judgment. There will be no unbeliever that will stand at the great white throne of judgment, not one who will look God in the eye and say, I didn't know. Well, if somebody would have told me. I did, there's not, he, Romans 1 says, you will be without excuse. There'll be no excuse. Now, that's weighty. I can feel it in the room. It's weighty. But, but hear the good news. If, if you spend your whole time and you get here, what does God have to do? I mean, what does he really have to do? Yeah, his kingdom will be preached in all the world, and then it says, and then the end shall come. Again, I don't know how that'll work. I know with our communications abilities these days, we're real close. No, no, and for those that don't, he'll shake it out somehow. He's going to shake it out somehow. I can take one or two more and then I got to go. Okay, let me do, I'll do Rosemary and then Nita. About what, ma'am? Well, that, the, one, the one I use is in 2 Thessalonians 2. Matthew 5.13 is the salt and the light, isn't it? That's the salt and light passage. And, and I'm just using that as an illustration that once salt and light is gone, there'll be no salt and light at that point. The only salt and light in the earth are you and I. Jesus declared us to be salt. You are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. And so once we're gone, that salt and light is gone. 
Well, the Holy Spirit, though, works through people as, as well. So the restraining effect of the Holy Spirit works through people too. And, and so once that's gone, there'll be a measure of restraint that's no longer there. And so that's, that's a part of why things begin to escalate. And then finally, when this group leaves, there's no restraint. I mean, it wouldn't surprise me that there's not a resistance movement that builds up to the Antichrist in this particular time period. I mean, I mean people who want to do their best to get the gospel out, but knowing that it's probably going to cost them their life, they're going to, there's going to be some form of resistance movement of tribulation saints that will take place. And there'll be a restraining. They will have a restraining influence. But once they're gone, there, there won't be anything left to do that. Nita, go ahead. Yeah, well, once this agreement is broken with Israel, not all Israel uh, is saved. I mean, it, it, depending on how you want to interpret it, does all Israel get saved here? Or, But there, there will be a remnant that's going to be tucked away. And again, the rapture of the two witnesses, so there's going to be a witness in the earth that will take place. So there's still a potentiality that people will give their hearts to the Lord. Well, that's a great question. I don't know how many Gentiles, it, pr- predominantly Jews, he's hiding Israel so it, they can't be obliterated. We, we will, we will cut, crack that can when we get into this time period because I, I haven't brushed up on it yet. <laughs> so I'm brushing up as we go along. All right, did I see another one? Okay, quick question. Yeah, well, here's... here's Here's the thing when we talk about the restrainer being gone. I don't know that there's going to be a, a great deal of wooing. But, but as far as salvation goes, I think it, it's easy in this time period because we have conviction. We have, the, we have the Holy Spirit wooing us and drawing us. No, it's not going to be there in that time period like it is in this time period. But, but we're not saved just based on the wooing of the Spirit. We're saved based on confessing with our mouth that Jesus is Lord, believing in our hearts that God raised him from the dead. And yeah, soliciting passion in this time period is, is, yeah, we're talking about some of you that have lived, Miss Louise, for what, 40 years for the Lord? I don't know how many decades. Decades. Well, you know what? They're going to get their decades in months. And yeah, the energy that you put into your faith, let's say, for decades, these people are going to face an incredibly challenging time. I mean, this is not easy. Don't think this is going to be easy <laughs> in any way. Don't think that if you miss this and, you, and then you say, okay, I got it, Lord, I got it. I'm going to get my heart. I'm going to live for you. Folks, I'm just telling you, and, and I hope I'm right. Yeah, I hope I'm right. <laughs> because if not, guess what you get to deal with? You get... you. You, and, there, and those judgments and those trumpets and seals, all of that comes upon all humanity. That's, that's, tough, that's a tough time period. Let me get to him back here. Yeah. Okay, very good. You know, I, I can't answer that question. I don't know. I've never really thought about that. I do know that there'll be, there'll be, false, uh, there'll be a false Pentecost from the false prophet 
That's a great question. I, I don't know that I can answer that with any degree of certainty at this point. Yeah. Maybe. I could be. Could be. But I don't, I, I, I don't know. I'd have to, I have to think that one through a little bit. I have to think that one out a little bit. See if. I just don't have a quick answer for that one. Yes. Right. 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 Yeah. Right. And and, and again, I you know, the, 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 it's a it's a legitimate question. Can you be baptized, or how's the Holy Spirit working in this time period? And the Holy Spirit worked in the Old Testament before Pentecost, even somehow. Now, there was a difference between pre-Pentecost and post-Pentecost. So, you know, maybe it reverts back to some of the, the, the pre-Pentecost activity. I don't, I don't know. It's a good question and another one that we can ponder on. All right. We're going to have to stop because I know music people have to do their thing. Amen. Stand with me, will you? Amen. How many of you are glad to be a part of the first boatload? <laughs> that's right come on I, I really live all out if, if there's anything i could share and i know you're the wednesday night crowd and you're you, you have a natural disposition to be to be you know a little bit more zealous so i understand that and, I, and i'm not casting dispersion upon uh, sunday folks sometimes folks just have to work so so i understand i understand things but but let me just exhort you just live passionate live zealous Live all out. People think you're a little bit strange. Let them think that way. We're, we're talking about eternity. The few decades that you may have to endure, maybe some scorn or ridicule, it will seem like a grain of sand on a beach compared to eternity. Lord, we just one more time say we're all out for you. You've asked us to love you with all of our heart, all of our soul, all of our mind, and all of our strength. And Lord, you said the whole law was written upon those two, that and loving our neighbor as we love ourselves. So Lord, we're just, we're just rekindling in the name of Jesus the passion, the zeal, the desire, the pursuit, the hunt to just be after you. Lord, we have to work, we have to make a living, we have to do the things that we do in order to to live life but lord we are after you and so i pray tonight lord has we've just shared and did our best to just give whatever insight we could glean that people lord would just grab a hold of the truth that they just want to live these days all out lord i believe i believe the day's coming quickly and you told us to say even so come quickly lord jesus the older I get, the easier it is to say those words. Even so, come quickly, Lord Jesus. So bless your folks, Lord. Keep them safe as we go our separate ways. Let us continue to occupy in your name. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. God bless you.